the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends, and thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. We're now three-quarters of the way through the Advent Christmas season. As you recall, the last Sunday in November kicked off this prequel of four weeks that actually helps us 21st century Christians prepare for what we now refer to as Christmas. Well, friends, this year, December 11th, propels us into the third week of the Advent Christmas season. So today's session will be part three in our Advent series, Christmas, Something New Was Brewing on Planet Earth. Part three is called The Ultimate Star Trek. Last time I mentioned I'd be devoting two installments to comparing and contrasting some of the responses of the actors and actresses who've stepped onto the stage of the great and wonderful drama now known as The Christmas Story. And last time we zeroed in on Zechariah's and Mary's responses to that special and unique announcement that came to them through the angel Gabriel. This is recorded in Luke's Gospel, Chapter 1, viewing this story through the eyes and ears of Luke. We paired up the scripts of Zechariah and Mary, putting them side by side, and discovering two distinctly different reactions to the angel's revolutionary news, news that definitively signaled that something new was brewing on planet Earth. Before their very eyes, God was dismantling the old order of business and introducing a coming season of newness, each responding very differently, as we noticed by our closer observation of the scriptural accounts laid out for us. Friends, you've probably been able to figure out that today's title, The Ultimate Star Trek, alludes to a particular set of actors that strut onto the stage of our drama, this time riding on camels. Yep, those wise men. Last time in part two, first contact, we sat in the audience as the curtain opened in act one, scene one of the birth narrative unfolded. As I shared, Luke was both the scriptwriter and the casting director in our Christmas drama. Of the four main actors in Act One, the angel Gabriel, Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary, Luke chose to draw our attention to Zechariah and Mary's responses. Well, friends, today in Part 3, we're going to view the birth narrative through Matthew's scripting and directing. 
Matthew directs our attention to the wise men's arrival in Jerusalem at the palace of King Herod. In fact, it's in this palace that an opportune moment arises for us to scrutinize the wise men's and Herod's responses to the unusual birth announcement. So let's get our spiritual magnifying glass out and put on our detective's cap. Remember now, friends, Matthew's gospel was written for a primarily Jewish audience, and in so doing, it forms a bridge from the Hebrew scriptures, our Old Testament, to our New Testament. So in light of that, Matthew's gospel script introduces us to a genealogy tracing Jesus' ancestral line back to King David and then all the way back to Abraham. But for our focus today, the drama unfolds when several wise guys surprisingly show up on King Herod's doorstep seeking the whereabouts of a new kid in town a new kid on the block, a newborn king. And in Matthew's purview of our drama, we, the audience, are introduced to some more supporting cast members that we just can't leave out. Because, friends, unlike Luke, whose birth narrative is told from Mary's perspective, Matthew's viewing angle becomes Joseph. In fact, friends, Joseph's part in Matthew's birth narrative acts like bookends. He appears at the outset and then reappears to close out the narrative. In addition, sandwiched in between, there's the role of these other supporting cast members, namely the chief priests and scribes, and we'll see what conclusion we can draw from their appearance on the stage of the great and wonderful drama now known as the Christmas story. So friends, without further ado, let the curtain open and let's listen to Matthew as he narrates Act 2, which begins in Matthew 1.18. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah was as follows, when his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to pause here for a moment, friends, because we need to have a clearer understanding of this term betrothed. It's a tricky word. Some English translations have pledged, some engaged, some espoused, and some even say promised. This is because the challenge is choosing an equivalent term for which no equivalent term exists in Western society, nor in America. The Old Testament concept and practice of betrothal and the betrothal period, which carries over into New Testament times, has no parallel in modern Western culture. You see, this sacred period in Jewish culture was a legally binding arrangement that set a young woman apart for a particular young man. The betrothal period, usually a year, was just as sacred as the ensuing marriage itself, with the exception that sexual relations were not permitted, and this agreement could only be voided by death or formal divorce proceedings. There were no other options for getting out of a betrothal. So, Matthew's script continues... Her husband Joseph, since he was a righteous man and didn't want to disgrace Mary, planned to send her away secretly. By the way, that's code language for divorce. But when he had thought this over, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, 
Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, I need a break here again, friends, to supply an additional cultural practice regarding Matthew one twenty and the mentioning of the angel's words to Joseph, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. I admire the NIV Translation Committee for inserting the word home here. In other words, Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. No standard English translation in print today inserts home. Two older translations now out of print contain it, but they're no longer popular or read today. So here's an instance, friends, where a cultural nugget of truth assists us in properly interpreting a text. You see, the customary practice in Bible times was that during the year-long betrothal period, the husband-to-be devoted time to preparing either a room in his father's house for his bride or building a separate home. The bride-to-be's role during this year was to begin preparing herself for married life. And interestingly enough, this is the precise word picture Jesus paints in John 14 when he says to his disciples, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Cool, huh? So, friends, in a sense, our relationship to Jesus right now is evidently viewed by him as a betrothal relationship. And he's now in his father's house preparing a room for us, his bride-to-be. This metaphor is reiterated by Paul in Ephesians five, twenty-five and 26. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. Friends, many of us modern-day Christ followers have no clue that our part as the bride-to-be is to begin preparing ourselves now for married life, living holy lives as befits the Holy One, to whom we will live with for eternity, Jesus Christ, our husband. Well, let's get back to Matthew's script. And remember, the angel still speaking to Joseph. She, Mary, will give birth to a son, and you shall call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah would be fulfilled. Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which translation means God with us. And Joseph awoke and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary as his wife but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Enter those wise guys. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Well, friends, let's stop again right here for a moment. Did you notice Herod's initial reaction to the Magi's question? 
He was troubled, as the text says. An even better translation is disturbed, because he was the king of the Jews. This was Herod the Great, who reigned over Judea from 37 to 4 BC. While the Romans gave Herod authority to rule the Jews, most Jews hated him, even though he referred to himself as king of the Jews. And did you catch that little phrase, and all Jerusalem with him? What's up with that? Why might all Jerusalem be disturbed when King Herod was disturbed? Well, history tells us that this Herod the Great was a bloodthirsty tyrant. He murdered his wife, his mother-in-law, his three sons, and numerous other people. His forthcoming edict to kill all male children two years and under confirms that he was paranoid and insecure. After all, he was the king. Judea was certainly not big enough for two kings. Evidently, Herod was good at covering up or masking his initial disturbance over the announcement of a new king of the Jews being born. Let's continue to track Matthew's script as it unfolds. Chapter 2, verse 4. Herod gathered together all the chief priests and scribes of the people and inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet Micah. And now they quote the prophet Micah. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for from you will come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search the check carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report back to me, so that I too may come and worship him. Friends, you know what I wrote in the margin of my Bible, right where Herod said that? I wrote, Yeah, sure, Herod, you liar, you conniver. Because just eight verses later, in Matthew 2.16, Herod realizes he was tricked by the Magi, and the text says he became enraged. And this rage, rooted in his insecurity and paranoia, is what led to his edict to kill all the male children two years and under. Friends, as Matthew's script continues to unfold, we'll see this. After hearing the king, the Magi went on their way, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went on ahead of them until it came to a stop over the place where the child was to be found. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and after they came into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And after being warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Well, friends, just who were these Magi, these wise guys, as I affectionately call them? And just how did they find out about this unique birth? Bible scholars propose that these wise men were either from a priestly tribe of Medes, or they were Persian elders from Babylon, schooled in philosophy, medicine, and science. They may even have been part of an order of astrologers, kind of like those spoken about in the book of Daniel. 
Our English word magi is basically a transliteration of the Greek word magoi, whose form is derived from the Persian language, meaning magician or sorcerer, but a particularly learned magician. Now, we must keep in mind, friends, that in Bible times, astronomy and astrology had not yet been separated out to different spheres of understanding. They were still joined together as one area of study or one discipline. What's especially interesting, friends, is that if we look at an ancient map of the Assyrian and Babylonian empires, we learn that the Medes lived just outside the border of the Assyrian Empire. Israel was taken into captivity by the Assyrians in 722 BC, and subsequently the Assyrians were overtaken by the Babylonians, and Israel was taken into captivity again in Babylon. And so, isn't it curious that it was during this Babylonian captivity that Daniel was taken into custody? It's not really too much of a stretch to imagine that Daniel's influence brought the law of Moses and his own prophetic writings to the attention of the inhabitants of Babylon, Assyria, and the land of the Medes and Persians. And wouldn't it be just like God to tuck this little verse away in Numbers 24:17? I see him, but not now. I look at him, but not near. A star shall appear from Jacob, a scepter shall rise from Israel, and shall smash the forehead of Moab, and overcome all the sons of Sheth. For these magi to discover, as they read through the law of Moses? Well, friends, let's not forget the other supporting cast members in this drama that I mentioned in the beginning, those infamous chief priests and scribes. But let's pause here for just a moment. If you tuned in late, you're listening to A Word from the Word with me, your host, Pastor Tom. I want to take a moment to let you know how valuable you are as listeners to A Word from the Word. This program is 100% listener-supported. Your financial partnership is essential to helping keep this program on the air, which disciples many Christians without a church home or those of you who've been wounded by the institutional church. You can join forces with A Word from the Word by emailing me for support details at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com. And friends, I'll be repeating this information at the end of today's broadcast. Now back to those chief priests and scribes. We actually already read about them in Matthew's script for this drama. Remember when Herod asked the so-called religious expert where the Messiah was to be born in response to the Magi's question? Remember how their brilliant intelligence shone forth in their quick response? How Micah 5 2 just rolled off their tongues with, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet Micah. Then they quote Micah verbatim, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for from you will come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This exchange of dialogue occurred in Herod's temple, and where Herod's infamous deception and lie is now uttered. Go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report back to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Ha! Bah humbug, Herod! Bah humbug! 
Well, friends, these particular upper echelon religious priests and scribes didn't go with the Magi to accompany them to Joseph and Mary's house so they could worship Jesus as their newborn king, nor did they even go on their own. They simply regurgitated their answer to Herod. They knew the answer. After all, they were well-versed in their Hebrew scriptures, yet they didn't go to worship Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. As I said earlier, friends, these upper-class religious snobs fell victim to the same paranoia and insecurity Herod succumbed to. A new king of the Jews? A revealed Messiah? Why, their religious power base, their religious authority over the people would be compromised, threatened even, because they loved the status quo. They loved having control, and as a result, they resisted any new activity that their God was showing them. Herod rebelled politically, whereas the chief priests and scribes rebelled spiritually. Friends, this reminds me of the stoning of Stephen recorded in Acts 7, before which he delivered his incredibly convicting speech to the high priest and his cohorts. Just before they stoned him, he blurted out, "'You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears,' are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. Well, friends, from each of today's actors who've stepped onto the stage of the great and wonderful drama known as the Christmas Story, Matthew's expose challenges us to discover some lessons we can bring forward in time to our 21st century, right here, right now. Let's strive to remember that some 2,000 years ago, something new was brewing on planet Earth. And let's not lose this newness this year, 2022, as we celebrate this great and wonderful drama. And we love it as the Christmas story. You see, friends, King Herod and the Jewish religious leaders prompt us to ask a few penetrating questions, like, am I receptive to new instructions or direction from God? Do I actually request new things from God, or am I too timid? Or how about, am I rebellious to new instructions or directions from God? Or do I actually resist new things from God? In other words, am I stubborn, or do I selfishly hold on to my own way of doing things? Instead, in our reading about the Magi, why not emulate them They are the ones who demonstrated receptivity to new revelation, and interestingly, they were actually searching for it. Then notice the outcome. The Magi's lives were radically changed for the good. They certainly weren't timid or fearful, but curious, bold, and courageous. Friends, have we lost that first-century curiosity? Have we lost that first-century Jewish anticipation, expectation, and longing that accompanied their hunger and thirst for the coming of their promised Messiah? Have we just settled into an annual routine that has been co-opted by the mainstream world? Have we simply allowed it to seep into our lives and take over what should be a blessed and sacred season? So this year, why not reignite this first century sense and recapture it in our personal lives, family lives, and communal celebrations? Let's strive to restore that anticipation and expectation and build this into our preparation for celebrating Christmas this time around. Well, friends, perhaps a fitting prayer for this week in Advent might be... 
Lord, give us courage who know the ruler and shepherd personally to reflect his rulership or lordship in our lives. May those around us who do not have this guidance of God see it in us. May they be drawn to the true Savior this Christmas season, that babe in the manger whom the Magi sought and whom they bowed down to and offered him gifts and their lives. May we all be thankful that through Jesus our Savior we can have both peace with God and the peace of God. Glory to the newborn King, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, friends, we're nearing the end of today's program, and our engineer will be closing out with an email where you may write me with your feedback on any of these programs in the Advent Christmas series or any prior programs that you have listened to. One listener recently wrote in regarding my prequel to the Advent series aired November 17th called Ready, Set, Christmas with this feedback. I love the idea of the three A's of Advent, especially astonishment. May we never cease to be filled with the awe and wonder at the Christmas story and the realization that we need to prepare for his birth and his second coming. Well, thanks for your comment and your encouraging words. And as promised, friends, the email you hear at the end is also where you can inquire about how to financially help keep a word from the word on the air. Thanks to those of you who've already become financial partners of this weekly broadcast. I truly appreciate your faithful and generous support. I also love coming alongside those of you who are without a church home or who have been wounded by the institutional church. All podcasts may be accessed freely at faithtalk1360.com. That's faithtalk1360.com. Just search the menu for local program podcasts, then scroll to a word from the word. These podcasts can also be accessed on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Friends, 2023 is right around the corner. I invite you to consider becoming a financial partner and support team member of a Word from the Word radio broadcast in the coming year. Listeners like you help keep this program on the air. Well, thanks for listening today, friends. And remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a word from the word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.